0: If you, at the end, would the ministry team come forward for me? I still want to have prayer for anybody who would like to have prayer uh, at the end. We uh, have, have been um, working with that for a couple years now. If the ministry team, everybody would just come forward if you would, please. And uh, we'll uh, minister in, in God's spirit. Uh, everybody get a copy of what we talked about last week. I know the Jerry, you're and Michelle. Anybody, I know I was mentioning to y'all to, to bring your copy, if you would. And um, we're going to finish this today. Worship is powerful. Thank you. Worship. Um, we're going to look at, again, If Jennifer, if you could put up there uh, Matthew chapter 2 there right at the end. It's going to be a verse uh, uh, 11. Or 12, actually. A little different than what I'm doing things and just, quote, just preaching. But a couple of things I think are so important, how important worship is. We talked about it last week, some of the things. When we come together to worship, we come together to worship, we've come here to meet with God. This is not a ritual. We're not coming you know, just because of habit. Although sometimes we feel like that we do, we come and so forth. Nothing wrong with obviously persevering because sometimes, again, you don't feel like worshiping, right? And I don't. But you come in because it's not about me and it's not about how I feel. It's about God and He's worthy of our worship. And so I just pray that God would kind of turn our hearts and look to Him and not upon the circumstances that we, we have. We're going we're gonna to deal with the circumstances and God helps us with those things. But He is always worthy of our worship. And that's what we talked about last week a lot about that. And, and what this means in any time of history, but certainly during this time of history, how important it is to obviously worship the Lord. I believe that God is looking for lovers and not necessarily theologians, okay? Okay nothing wrong with studying. You need to study. But ultimately, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He's looking for people who will just abandon themselves and come to Him. He's looking for lovers. Theologians come along, and that's a part of it, certainly. But priority is, first of all, the first two commandments, most importantly, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And you love the Lord in your mind, certainly. And you don't throw your mind out. Your mind is needed. But you love the Lord with all of your heart. Your heart. Your innermost being. And so we see this uh, over and over again in Psalm 100. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. When we enter and we give thanks... I believe that begins, uh, obviously, our worship there. And, and to be in the presence of the Lord, that's when you're changed in Psalm 16. In the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. Now, we're talking about certainly the omnipresence of God, who God is always present, but we're also talking about the manifest presence or the imminent presence of the Lord. And I gave an example of what's going to happen when you are there before Jesus Christ in the full glory of God, you're going to worship. You know, Mercy Me has that song out. Will I, will I bow before him? Will I fall in his presence? Will I, will I be able to say anything at all? Will I shout hallelujah? And all these things. What's going to happen when you get in the presence of the king, the master? Obviously, a lot of things. Think about it. So I've always said this earth is just a preparation for heaven. This is a kind of a dress rehearsal for heaven as we get prepared for heaven. And so I long for his presence every day. Sometimes I'll sit in the presence of the Lord in the morning, get quiet with my coffee and, 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 and just sit and just soak in the presence of the Lord. You get quiet because a lot of times, you know, we just not learn how to be still and know that he is God. We just have not been, have learned to obviously just get quiet in his presence. And so we see that we are pursuing the Lord. And I wrote down there, it would be a good book. If any of you, you can get it on uh, Google and and Amazon A.W. Tozier, The Pursuit of God. One of the books that changed my life over the years The Pursuit of God. A.W. Tozier was a man that was passionate after the Lord. And then we looked at there's no longer any physical temple because the universe is His temple. If you look at Isaiah 11 and Habakkuk chapter 2, talks about the whole earth is full of the knowledge of the glory of God. And I believe the glory of God is all around us, certainly. And somehow it's unveiled right now. But we need to be more aware of His presence every moment of every day. And really... That means we need to be sensitive to His presence. We need to be aware because He's talking to us and He's sharing these things to us. And these impressions that we have and, and different circumstances. Certain The Word of God and, and the Rema Word of God, the living Word of God. He's sharing these things on a regular basis. But the issue is, is whether or not we are sensitive to hearing what the Holy Spirit has to say. I wrote here, rationalization wants to overcome mysticism. We try to explain everything, and if we can't explain it, we conclude it must not be God. Well, you know, you think about it, the five loaves and the two fishes, can we explain that? Can we really explain any miracle that Jesus did? (laughs) I mean, it doesn't make sense, does it? He did. He went in and he healed those. And so we rationalize. You see, our Western culture has taught us to rationalize everything. Nothing wrong with rationalizing things. But when it trumps who God is and what he wants to do, that's when it interferes with us knowing the living God. We're here to facilitate filling people with God and not necessarily uh, buildings with people. And I mentioned here, no matter how big of a a particular job or responsibility God gives you, no matter how small it is, be faithful with what God has assigned to you. Now, I don't know how many people were in the church today. We don't count numbers. You remember when in, in the church that they used to put the thing up there on the, the, the board and they would put how many people were there. They used to do that and what the offering was. And that's nothing wrong with that. I just don't count people. I say what God has given us here at Lighthouse Fellowship is really the bottom line is we're to be faithful with what we have. You know, we have a powerhouse in this place. Each one of you. My vision is, is that you, you and I, and I walk with you in this journey would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And that's Ephesians chapter four talks about that. That's my goal. I want you to be filled with God. I want you to be lovers of God. I, I, I want to facilitate and help in the teaching and prayer for this church and for my life and for for people around us that you'll be passionately in love with Jesus Christ. That's my desire, because when you're in love with somebody, you want to be in their presence at all times. Right now, think about this. When I talk about God's imminent presence, think about it. You know, I love Cindy my wife, and I love her. And she, Cindy, is in my heart. But I love being around her also. I love her, her physical presence and, and talking and, and, and her smile and the way we have rapport together, okay? So there's a time to say, yes, Jesus lives within my heart and he's with us always. But there's a time you just want to soak, you want to be in his presence, I long to be in the presence of the Lord each and every day, and I mentioned that last week. And I asked the pastor as we were teaching and my mentoring section with with you know other pastors and so forth, is it wrong to desire that? Of course not. That's what we're going to be in the presence. Though we see through a glass darkly, one day we'll see him as he is. We'll see him face to face. And what will happen when that takes place, you know, and the glory and the presence of the Lord. This is worship. We're here to meet with God. We're here to commune with God Almighty, the spirit of the Lord. Certainly, it is definitely what God, I believe, wants. You know, I put that right at the end of that first page. Just having a stimulating worship experience is not enough. Not enough, certainly it isn't. It's nice and it's great. Jerry and Mary lead us in worship and so forth. But it's not enough. The priority is whether or not we encounter the Lord. The priority is we're meeting with the Lord because we are changed in His presence. And many times, obviously, we focus on ourselves and it's not about us. It's about God. And you don't want to tell you, you shouldn't leave this building the same way that you came in. You should be changed because it being in the presence of the Lord, in His manifest, in His change, He changes us as we worship. This is why worship is powerful. And so we look, and I'll look, and we'll start on this second on the back page that you have, uh, that, that you have in your, on your handout. And I'm going to go through these. And I would like here, and let's read this right at the end, which... Jennifer has pulled up for us. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, And left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod, and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I call my son. Let me read here. And when they had come into the house, this was the three magi. I'm going to back up a little bit. When they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But being warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. They came into the presence of the king and they fell down violently. Actually, the Greek, they were, they fell before him. They worshiped him. And I, I just marvel at the Magi who they traveled all that way. They were guided by the, the light, but the, by the star and all, and they found and they pursued him and he, they could have been discouraged. And yet they came to worship. You know, sometimes I, I, and I mentioned last week, you know, I do not feel like necessarily worshiping, but when I come in here and I'm around you guys, I'm around you talking to you and maybe saying Merry Christmas or whatever's going on. I'm telling you right now, I, I get uplifted. I don't know about you. I get uplifted. I may have had a hard week and it may have been difficult, but I get uplifted. I get new strength. I get a new surge of strength. And so, you know, just come to church and be a part. How wonderful that is. I show up. It's kind of like that. okay? Lord, you got to speak. But one of the things I can do and the things you can do, you can show up. So the first item here on that second page is, what is hindering you from becoming a place where God can dwell? Proverbs twenty five twenty four. God says, I don't want to dwell there because of their bickering. Is there thanksgiving or praise or is there bickering? When God, we talked about God's dwelling place, he's, he's, he's somehow creating that or maybe you know he's he's working that in our hearts his dwelling place he's looking for a place the tabernacle where he dwelt remember we talked about that there are no more physical places like that Jesus' spirit indwells us we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and so he says I come and dwell in places where there's thanksgiving and there's praise he doesn't like the bickering he wants people to love one another to come together and and love one another and how important that is. And when we worship, then He will speak to us. That is the communion with the Holy Spirit. Remember, Paul and Silas, they were set apart to go on those missionary journeys in the worship service. They were in a corporate worship service. So something happens. There's individual worship, and I don't in any way negate that. But there is the corporate worship service In this time together, God speaks. There is like, and I mentioned last week, it's like Jesus' blood flows through us. We are family. We are family, one, in the bond of love. And so God speaks in those times. And and Paulus and Silas were set apart as a result when they came and they were in the worship service. In Isaiah 66, there is something that we can do to facilitate the presence of the Lord in this place. First of all, humility. I mentioned cultivate a humble heart. Don't allow the sin to become habitual. Be aware of the darkness and build barriers that will keep sin out. If you have a temptation to do this or that or whatever it may be, then stay away from it. Or, or remember, let God's Spirit, ask God's Spirit to put a check in your heart when you're moving in that direction of that temptation, because there's temptation to begin with. It's always, then you just don't sin. There's temptation. Temptation is not sin, but when you yield to that temptation, that's when it becomes sin. So, humble yourself before the Lord, and tell God, you cannot live this Christian life without Him. The second thing is, is tremble at God's Word. Be ready to obey, and be available to do what God wants you to do tremble. In other words, the sanctity and the power in God's word is so powerful. And I told you, I believe this movement of God that's going to take place, there's going to be a blending of the word of God and the move of God's spirit. The two go hand in hand. And I believe that's what we'll see in our lifetime. Certainly if Jesus doesn't come back first. All right. Weekly meetings are very important. We are family. His blood flows through us in our services. There's a sense of awe and beauty and wonder. You know, uh, Psalm 27, four, one of my favorite passages when David writes, the one thing that I ask, this is what I see. And he says this, he says, the gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Don't you want to do that? You see, there's a sense of mysticism. There's a sense of awe when we come together here. God is a mystery. Yes. And we there's a sense of that that awe oh, and wonder when we come in to his manifest presence, not just his omnipresence, because God is everywhere, but his manifest, his imminent presence, his tangible presence here. These meetings that we have is very important because we're changed, remember. In his presence. Revelation 320, Jesus is, I believe, speaking to his church. And he says, You know, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will will let me come in, and he said, open the door and I'll come in and sup with, with him and he with me. I believe that, yes, that is for those who don't know Jesus, but I believe God's Jesus is speaking to the church. I believe he's saying, Let me in. I want to come in. I want to have communion with you. I want to speak to you. I I want you to, to, to be enthralled with my presence. I want you to be, I want you to love me more than anything else in this whole wide world. Your heart, mind, soul, and strength. I want you. And Jesus is standing there knocking. And the question is, are we opening the door to God's presence in our heart? i I was reading something this morning talking about revivals that have taken place in the past. And, you know, one of the things they said in preparation is you ask. I said, Lord, I ask that you move in Lighthouse Fellowship and throughout the body of Christ. I ask you. And the second thing is this author said, expect God to move. We talked about expectancy a lot, haven't we? And then wait. Expect God to do something in here. We've got a lot of people in here need healing today. We need All these things that God has, they're blessings from the Lord, certainly. Gifts of grace that God gives us, certainly. And we see here at the end, the Western church many times has focused on entertainment. Focused too much on entertainment. Uh, Nothing wrong with entertainment. But when that takes a priority over the gospel and over preaching that Jesus is Lord and desiring and hungering for his presence. Matthew 5, verse 6, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. You know, I've always said a Madison Avenue technique does not work as far as the church is concerned. If you want to see lives filled, lives changed, because many times people focus on certainly filling buildings with people instead of filling people with God. We want to need, when you're full of God, you're going to tell everybody about it. Go tell it on the mountains. Jesus Christ is born. When you're full of God, when you're passionately in love with Jesus Christ, you're going to tell somebody about it, right? The priorities have gotten mixed up, they're backwards. Or we see in Revelation 4, 5, take a look at Revelation 4. There's a worship service going on in heaven. God enjoys our worship. He longs for us. He longs to enter in. And the next thing down in, in big letters is worship is not optional. It is a, a pivotal mo- moment in our spiritual journey. Worship is not optional. We're not transformed by our doctrines about God. We're transformed by the God of our doctrines. God transcends our intellect and we need teaching and we need touching. God wants to meet with you today and we don't get there by our intellectual activity necessarily. Nothing wrong with the intellect, but it goes far way beyond that. God says that He is God Almighty, and God changes us and makes us new. We're to become God's representatives, certainly here. We're ambassadors for Christ, and worship equips us to ministry. We are to give away what God has given us. We are meant to bless others, and that's why the importance of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is we are to bless one another. That's why God speaks And you can share things. And I believe that's going to become more and more prevalent. Although they're certainly working today throughout the church. We need to realize that God is God. And hungering and thirsting for Him. Not for some type of ritualistic activity. We're hungering for His presence. In Acts chapter 16. Remember what happened? Paul and Silas. And we'll turn to it in a minute. We're conducting a worship service. And the presence of God was there. Think about it. Paul and Silas were in a dungeon type jail. They were on a dirt floor. They were, um, obviously it was cold, damp, I'm sure. They may have been in shackles. I'm not sure if scripture was talking about that or not. But they were in a bad place. And what did they do? They worshiped God. What would you do? What would I do if I was in that jail? And, and obviously, the conveniences that prisoners have today are nothing like what they had back then. They didn't have any of that stuff. But what would you do? Think about it for a minute. If you were there and you were locked up in that cold, damp, probably there were rats. They probably did not get uh, uh, nutrition and so forth and all. What would you do? I would be going, oh, Lord, you know, I've served you all these years. You know, I've given my life for you. And look at where it's got me. Look at what you've done. And even here, I'd be I would never say that, certainly. But but you know what I'd I'd be maybe thinking is, Lord, look what you have allowed to happen. That's not quite as bad as saying God did it, but he allowed it to happen. Right. How would you respond? Well, Paul and Silas actually began and started a worship service there in jail. Man, it's powerful, isn't it? They started worshiping the Lord. They started singing hymns. They started singing to the Lord and and praising the Lord. And the presence of the Lord came in there. What happened as a result of their praise? You know, the jailhouse shook. Actually, the Bible says that there was an earthquake that took place. So when you and I worship. Something is shaking in the heavenlies, trust me. And something I believe even in the physical realm sometimes, I believe that that shakes things today. That's how powerful worship is today. That's how powerful when you and I gather. We're not here because you were raised in the church. Certainly God bless that. My parents took me and my brother to church. But I'm not here here to perform some type of just going through the motions. I'm here to meet with God Almighty. I want to know him and his presence, knowing him. I want to be changed. I want to be more like Jesus. And that is why worship is so powerful. Paul and Silas, they knew that. They didn't complain. God said, where would I dwell? I don't want to dwell with you if you're bickering. Remember what happened to the Israelites, the Hebrew children that came out of Egypt? And they were murmuring and complaining. They were all upset. I'll go back and eat the garlics and the leeks and onions and all that stuff. That doesn't sound good to me, but that's what they wanted to do. They just wanted out of the mess that they were in. Instead of praising the Lord, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts. With praise, you have that enter into the into the presence of the Lord. So when you're having your morning devotions or when you come in here on Sunday morning, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come in with a thankful heart. That's why we give thanks to the Lord. Listen to the thanks that have been given today to God almighty about his presence and people's lives right this past week. Even in the midst of adversity, don't you know, it shakes the heavens because they're worshiping God. They've entered in their gates with thanksgiving, and their courts with praise. So that's why thanksgiving is so important. That's why worship is so important. As we do that, entering His gates, uh, focus. Listen to this. What happens is, you know, what happens with us is we have a problem, and we begin focusing on that problem, and we get so consumed, and before long, that's where our focus is. You know, how you do you somehow refocus? and get out of that. You pull back and you see things from God's perspective. Problems. God can overcome anything, right? He made a way, even when there wasn't a way. God can overcome these things. But what happens? What, how does that take place? What happens is you begin to worship. You begin to thank him. You begin to praise him. You know, you ever thank God and worship the Lord in your car when you 're driving down the street, and somebody you look over and somebody's looking at you, and they're looking like, "What in the world's He doing or she's doing?" What is going on over there in that car? You know you may have your praise and worship music on or ever how you worship or It's just the stillness, and the quietness, whatever it may be God leads you to do. And they may look over, and, and oh, I've looked over, and, and I went, oh, David, watch me. You know, I may lift my hands. I may just sing, and I'm singing to the Lord. I'm going, well, if they see me singing, that's fine. You know, they may get a song in their heart as a result of me singing. And I sing to the Lord and I just praise him. That's the way I do it. And a lot of times I'll turn the uh, radio up and I'll just sing and sing and sing. And, you know, all these Christmas carols, I just love those things. You can get everything on YouTube nowadays. I'll YouTube it down and I'll just sing in the shower. Cindy knows that. I'll sing in the shower and all that stuff. She tries to stay away as much as possible. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. We're here to commune with God. We're here to meet with him. We want him. We we long for your presence, Lord. If I'm going to live with him throughout eternity in his presence, I want to experience him today. I want to get ready for heaven. I want to know him in that manner today. I don't want anything stopping me from doing that. In Romans chapter 11, turn to it if you would. Jennifer, could you pull it up? Listen to this. Romans chapter 11. Right at the end of the chapter. Verse 33. Look at it. Romans chapter 11. Verse 35. Yeah. Listen, watch this. I'm going to let all of you get it. Because this is powerful. This is Paul. Writing to the church in Rome. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable His judgments and His paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been His counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay Him? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To him be the glory forever, Amen. Who in the world is this God? And he was in awe, and he's trying. I believe Paul's trying to pin uh, the awestruck heart that he had and the revelation God touching him by His Spirit. Who look? Who's had the mind of God? Who, who's been His counselor? Oh, the riches of our God, and all—he's in awe. He's in awe. <laughs> And the situation that Paul was in. You see, this is worship. Because it flows from our hearts. Worship is from our hearts here. Focus determines our reality. You can either glorify God or you can complain to God. If we zoom in on the problem, we're seeing with the wrong perspective. And that's what we do. We look and take take our eyes. We look right and get the problem just overcomes us. But, so how do we zoom out to reframe? Through worship, which creates a new frame. We should glance at our circumstances and gaze at Jesus. Y'all have heard that expression before. We sometimes feel like we're not qualified to worship. We are because of Jesus, right? Without Jesus, we aren't, but with Jesus, we are qualified to worship Him. But what happens is we look at ourselves, we look at our problems, we look at what we may face next week, all these things. And so it hinders our worship, it keeps us stymied and from really entering into the presence of the glorified Lord. And as God says, I want to meet with you, church, I want you to know me intimately. I'm not maybe like you necessarily think I am. God reveals himself through his word, but he's far greater. My ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts because my ways and my thoughts are much higher than yours. He is God and he is worthy of our worship. Colossians 3.1, you can, you can read that too, refocuses us that we may see life from God's perspective and worship centers us. And then again, in Acts 16 that I talked about, worship produces shock waves in the spirit and in the physical realm. There when the earthquake took place, uh, it, it shook everything. Worship is powerful. Worship. Does that give you a different perspective on worship? Look over on the second page, and we'll, we'll close with this. True worship is what it is, what it's entitled. Worship is about our hearts. That is not to disregard or dismiss our minds. But worship without heart worship is no worship at all. You remember the two men on the road to Emmaus? Remember what happened? Jesus had been resurrected and he walked along with them and he did, they didn't recognize him. Remember that? And remember what happened was he said, come on in and have something to eat. We're sad. I mean, this man, Jesus has been crucified and all and come in and, and Jesus went in with them. And it says, when they broke the bread, their eyes were opened to who he was. They had been walking with Jesus all that time. And what did it say? It says that their hearts were warmed. They were touched by his presence. They were touched by the glory of God. True worship comes from our hearts. The words of our Savior resound the undeniable call to worship that transcends the intellect. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. John chapter 4, verse 24. Yes, human intelligence contributes to worship, but God's Word indicates He's not looking for something brilliant, but he's looking for something that is broken. In Psalm 51, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. He's looking for a broken heart, a heart that obviously, and, and sometimes when you're in the presence of the Lord and, and, and you can feel his presence and all, and I mentioned tears will just come. I'll just weep sometimes, just weep in the presence He's not trying to make you sad. And in those tears that that maybe come from you and I is what it really is saying there is a mixture. There's the joy of realizing you have a Savior. But you have that other side there that, that realizes that many times you've broken his heart. That many times that you have sinned against him and you've done what is evil in his sight. And that mixture there, and he comes in, he said the sacrifices are a broken and contrite heart. In number three, true worship treasures God's presence. God welcomes into his presence those who want him. It's a hunger and thirst for the living God that he promises to fill. True worship humbles the heart, and it's through the door of a humble heart that we're ushered. Into God's presence. You can look at Isaiah chapter 66 and remember what happened to uh, uh, Elijah, I mean, uh, Isaiah, pardon me, Isaiah in, uh, in Isaiah chapter 6. Remember what he saw? He saw the king. He saw uh, that God on his throne and the train, his, his, like his train there. And he saw him and he said, he, he got a vision, he got a glimpse there and he said, Woe is me because I'm undone. See, God revealed because of the holiness of our God. When we reflect and somehow see that in our heart of hearts and God reveals that we're broken. Because just like Isaiah, woe is me because I'm undone. And then what he's saying is, if there's not a way out here, then I'm, I'm done. I mean, I mean, this is it for me. And he said, because I, I, I'm, I live amongst the people with obviously unclean lips. And I've got unclean lips. (laughs) What am I going to do? And this is when you had a revelation. If you're saved in here today, one way or another, you had a revelation that you were a sinner and you were in need of God's grace. We need that revelation. We need that, obviously. It happened initially, and I believe God gives that at various times to, to remind us that we were brought out of slavery of sin and we were brought into the freedom that Jesus Christ gives us. And so he's with woe is me. I'm undone. I'm done. That's it. I'm finished here. He said, really? What am I going to do? Remember the sheriff him took the coal. I believe symbolic of the blood of Jesus. And he touched it to uh, Isaiah's lips. And he was cleansed. And what happened after that, he realizes cleansing. He says, here I am, Lord. Send me. God asked. Here am I. Send me. And you know the precious gift of salvation that took place when Jesus came down at Christmas time. And I know, like Jerry said, it was probably it was, certainly wasn't at the end of December, many believe, earlier in the fall, but we celebrate that. But when He came down and left his royalty in heaven, to pay for the sins of the world, for all who will call upon the name of the Lord. All who will take that coal in that sense, symbolic of His blood, and touch it to our lips and cleanse us, that we we can come before God. Because you know, when Jesus there hung on the cross, and and the veil in the temple was rent in two, He's welcoming us, you and I, into the holy of holies, into really the most holy place, in communion with Him, and that's worship. That is worship what God Almighty wants to do in your life and my life and he's coming back doing it in the church. What a wonderful indescribable gift of Jesus Christ when he sent him into this world. It was not done any other way. Buddha and and all of those other types of religions and so forth Muhammad and Allah and none of those they're still in the grave. Jesus arose Hallelujah. He arose. He lives forevermore and he wants to come. He wants to touch you. He wants to touch me. He wants to touch the church of the Lord Jesus Christ because he says, this is my church and I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. My church. When you knock in at your heart's door, let him come in. And it may be that you're saved today. It may be that that you're just saying, Lord, I'm weary, I'm tired, and and I, I just need a fresh touch from you. Don't you know our Savior delights in doing that? He gave it all. And the Bible says that he gave himself. He gave it all to us. And you and I are inheriting a great inheritance because of Jesus Christ. Not anything we can do. And you know, what does that make me want to do? That makes me want to worship the king. That makes me want to just glorify his name. And, and I try to in my, in my natural self, but certainly I'm saying, Lord, in, in, in all that I am, I worship you and I praise you. I glorify you because you are the king. You're the Lord over all. And I glorify your holy and righteous name. You're worthy. And I pray you catch a glimpse. You catch a... Catch that worship, that spirit of worship that maybe even now is going and penetrating your hearts and saying, I want to worship Jesus without any hindrance. I don't want to be bickering and complaining. I want to be thankful. I want to praise His holy name because He's worthy. And thank God it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Him. He came into the world, that little baby so that you and I would know Him personally, know God Almighty. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Isn't it? I mean, doesn't your heart just leap and know Him one day, one day, <laughs> we'll see Him as He is. One day, one day, we'll be with Him and live throughout eternity with Him without any type of hindrance, all this fleshly mess that sometimes we think about look at and maybe talk about and all this other stuff no more no more death no more pain no more suffering no more of any of this because all the old things have passed away and all things have become new God says I want you to walk in that today I want you to be able to walk in that freedom that's why Christ has set us free thank God Let's, let's pray Father, thank you for your word, your truth, and thank you for your presence here, O oh God. Come, Holy Spirit, move in this place in a powerful way. May Jesus be glorified. May Jesus be honored. May his name be lifted on high. Even now, we pray as the teachers are finishing up that the Spirit of God would move amongst those young people's lives right now. We all agree to that, right? We all agree the Spirit of God right now is moving upon those young kids' lives to bring them to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And those prayers that are asked by those young people today and the courage they had of asking them, thank God for them. Bless them, Lord. Bless them and bless this congregation. May all of you have a merry, merry Christmas when you get together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.